Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready for a podcast? Woohoo! Yes! Podcast! NYC! Woohoo! Welcome to another episode of Disney Versus, where immigrants get the job done. This is the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Tori. I'm Grace. We have for the third time, Erica, the first person to have a Disney Versus hat trick. Yeah! How are you? Hi, it's so great to be here. I'm Erica Allsight. Uh, for the incredible Hamilton episode, which is going to be yeah. awesome. I know um, many of you were here before and you'll be back. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to throw away your shot. Uh, I need you to wait for it. We're about to go into <laughs> a show that you will be very satisfied by. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. If you've been feeling helpless, uh, don't worry. We will. We will. Wait, what did I miss? Be back. We'll be back. Wait, we'll what did back. I miss? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, I think that's all I got. You guys have some more songs. I should write down the rest, and I'll do like a smoother one. I don't know. I feel like that was really good. I was thinking about this beforehand. Like, what if we made the episode a drinking Disney versus the actual um, musical? Because, like, it, as many times as you can fit a song lyric into a natural conversation, like that's when you drink. Yes, here on this yeah, we... podcast, we control who lives, who dies, who tells our story. Who dies, who tells it? Damn story. it! That's the one that I was gonna do the first time. Dang it! That's it. I like the. Uh... I like what we came up with anyway, though. I keep forgetting to write down these jokes. Ugh. Okay, Tori, sing us a verse. Drop some knowledge. If this is your first episode, welcome. What we do on this podcast normally is we take different Disney movies and properties and franchises. We rank them in a March Madness bracket and we debate and discuss them until we have a true winner. Um, this episode and last episode, we haven't done that because today, at least, we're talking about the smash hit, to put it lightly, Hamilton, which is now available on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Before we dive into that how have y'all been pretty great as great as can be expected eric is famous now <laughs> oh yeah i'm on the show double cross on the urban media channel Ooh, yeah and i've been doing just like a bunch of other stuff follow me on my instagram erica also it's she looks bomb it looks bomb. you guys are bomb message me that you you came from disney versus and i'll follow you back and we can talk about disney stuff yeah, yeah. i'm excited Erica, the most talented person I know. I'm sure that's not true. Because you know yourself. <laughs> and you know Grace. <sighs> Thank you. I'm saying it right now. Erica is more talented. Th- no, no, no. We're all equally talented. <laughs> we have our own strengths. And we are coming to you tonight to the room where it happened. Uh, there you Ooh. go. Did you pull up? <laughs> don't, don't. Throw it, your shot through it, just the beginning. Yeah, it's like, I know a lot of you want to be here while the podcast is happening, but we're actually coming to the room you're in. You can also be in the room where it happened. <laughs> How do we make this work, guys? I'm going to just keep trying. Some of them will work, I'm sure. <laughs> You'll just get on a run, and it's just, it, it'll just, it'll just start clicking. Yes. It's fine. That would be enough. 
I'm waiting to see if you can work the election. <laughs> the, I'm waiting to see if you can work the election of 1800 in there somewhere. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if we take a break, yeah, it's gonna have to come later because I don't have it yet. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get the uh, the statistics and info about Hamilton out of the way. Hamilton was created music and lyrics by Lady Manuel Miranda, directed by Thomas Kale, who also directed In the Heights, another uh, musical by Lynn. And it's based on the book Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. The musical stars Lynn Manuel Miranda as Hamilton, along with Leslie Odom Jr., Philippa Sue, Christopher Jackson, David Diggs, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Anthony Ramos. Alkidetti, Onaldoan, Jonathan Groff, and Jasmine Cephas Jones. Uh, as far as awards go, this musical won everything. It's, <laughs> I believe it holds the record for most nominations by a musical at the Tony Awards. Um, it was won when shy of winning the award, or sorry, winning the record for most wins. Uh, it won Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Best Original Score, Best Actor in a Musical for Leslie Odom Jr. as Aaron Burr, Best Featured Actor in a Musical at, for David Diggs as Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, Best Featured Actress in a Musical for Renee Goldsberry as Angelica Schuyler, Best Costume Design, Best Lighting, Best Direction of a Musical, Best Choreography, and Best Orchestration. I have a question real quick. Is there a to be considered a featured actress is it characterizes amount of time on stage or just not the main actress do either of you know i do not know like supporting if you're officially in the supporting category i think that's the difference that's the difference i make up in my head so for like the oscars there's the difference between lead and supporting feature just means like it stands out from the ensemble and bit parts so it could be so many different things Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be like everyone in the ensemble is doing one thing, and you have like one character who does something different, all the way up to like you know a mm-hmm. star could be you know featured in. Yeah, I guess I say like films featuring, and it's like the lead person, so could yeah. be anywhere in the yeah. gambit. Just definitely not an extra who is doing the same thing as all the other extras. Yeah, I guess it's okay. like whatever you put on the whoever you fill out on the form. I guess. I wish I knew. That seems like a thing we should know. Yeah, I feel like... Google's a thing. I feel like that too. Oh, here we go. The Tony Award for Best Feature Actor is a play in a... Wait, in a play is an honor presented at the Tony Awards for quality supporting roles in a Broadway play. So they're calling it supporting roles. Supporting roles. Okay. Okay. They also won a Grammy for Best Musical Theater Album because, duh. In 2016, it won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama and... In 2018, the creators were uh, honored at the Kennedy Center Honors. Yeah, it won all the things. That's on the initial run for uh, for the musical itself. But now that it's on Disney Plus, people were asking like, is it should is it and should it be eligible for the Oscars? Um, it's I don't think it is. Because it's not like a movie. I would think no. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's not so much a motion picture. It's a filmed. It's a filmed production of a, an actual, you know, musical. Stage production. Yeah, for a stage production. Uh. 
Yeah, there's no box office. I think I saw that it want, it has a box office record for the most money made by a musical on Labor Day, like the week of a Labor Day. Mm-hmm. So that's oddly specific, but timely yeah. because we're recording this on Labor Day. We are all fans of this, correct? Yeah, Hamilton's great fun. None of us. Yeah. No, none of us secretly yeah. hate this musical. No, I even secretly think Aaron Burr is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Like, I get that he's the villain, but I feel like as far as villains go, he's like a very complex and diverse uh, character study. Yeah. yeah. Character. Yeah. First impressions. Let's let's talk about like our reactions to hearing this whole thing for the first time. Where were you when you first talked? When you first heard this i heard the um i heard the soundtrack way before i saw the musical because a lot of my friends went to see it here in los angeles and they were saying it was incredible and then i was like oh tickets are like 300 dollars, and they were mostly sold out so i uh did not see it until it came out on disney plus but i had heard all the songs like multiple times before yeah i still have never seen it in person um but when i want to say maybe six or eight months after it um, went on Broadway, or maybe a couple, no, I'm trying to think about when that album came out on Spotify, because it was definitely soon after it came out, the album came out on Spotify that I started listening to it regularly and started cooking to it, and so this was maybe five years ago when I was in Chicago, and just fell in love with it, and I remember the first, like, six months or so that I listened to it, I, I think I only got all the way through the album once. So I was really familiar with the first half of it or so. And then at some point I realized like, oh, I actually don't know the back half of this album at all. (laughs) And so then I had to start listening to it from, um, let me see, where did I start listening? I guess somewhere around halfway. So maybe before Hurricane, I don't know. But so I started listening to it about halfway through and then got really familiar with the back half. And so now I... I still listen to it a lot while I'm cooking, um, and I love it. And I've watched it a few times since it's been on Disney Plus. I started listening to this in when was it 2016? Mm-hmm. Like right, right when it got popular. Um, I followed Lynn on Twitter, and it was him mm-hmm. talking. Like I saw him talking about. I think I started following him when it was off Broadway because I love In the Heights, mm-hmm. and. I was like, a musical about Alexander Hamilton. Okay. And then it blew up. And then I actually listened to it. I think I listened to it for the first time when I was at work. Because I used to have a night job stocking. And I listened to it like start to finish. And there were a lot of times where I had to go back. And I was like, wait, what just happened? Because you shouldn't casually listen to this for the first time. You have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And I I remember the end of it, the very last uh, song of it, because it's all in unison. It I literally had chills, like okay. I was I was operating a four clip, and I got chills, and I was like, okay, I need to chill for a second. <laughs> <laughs> this is dangerous right now. I didn't know how special this was going to be the first time I I heard it. I knew it was, I knew I liked it a lot, but I didn't know how how big it was going to be. Yeah, I think I should say. Right off the top, so many people have talked about this musical on so many different platforms and podcasts and, you know, TV shows. I'm not planning on saying anything new or revolutionary Revolutionary. about (laughs) Hamilton. (laughs) So uh, I think this may just be us 
geeking out for an hour or so. I mean, this has so, been the most revolutionary historical event since the election of 1800, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. I have seen the show live. Uh, I saw it when it was here in Dallas. Hello. And the performance was great, but it wasn't as good as watching it on Disney+. Plus. Nothing against those actors, but it wasn't as good or hyped or electric as watching it on uh, Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I will say, being in the room... Where it happens? Yes. Finally, after... Because I saw it in 2019, I think. 2018 or 2019. That sounds I can't right. Remember. The energy of that was, oh, I never thought I would get to see it. And I'm finally getting to see it live. So that's that's where the hype and emotion of that came from. But watching it with the original cast... Uh, with good production value, seeing all the different angles, it's a different feeling than actually sitting, you know, all the way in the balcony, listening to everything. So I like musicals. I wouldn't say I'm incredibly familiar. Um, and I've only seen a couple musicals live. But I remember, so when Tori and I met, we were freshmen in college and our marching band show was based on Wicked and The Wiz and what was the actual movie called? The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> that one. <laughs> the actual movie is and called Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that's when I kind of became obsessed with the soundtrack from Wicked and I love that soundtrack and I've listened to it through so many times and I didn't get to see Wicked in a theater until probably six years after I lived in Chicago when, and I actually saw it in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and I was surprised at, after how many times I've listened to this, the soundtrack of this musical, how much when I actually saw it, I was like, I did not realize, I realized what was going on. Like I did, there was so much that was left out of the musical numbers that I really missed some key aspects of what was happening um, in the musical. And so I was really excited when I saw Hamilton and there really isn't really anything that's left out of song. Uh, Everything that's important, everything that happens, happens in one of the 50, 60 songs that are in this musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not much script that happens outside of that. Uh, so I was really excited by that because I felt like I I did grasp what I was viewing and I hadn't missed out. I saw Wicked with the original cast in New York uh, with Kristen Chenoweth and Idina Menzel. And then I like fell in love with the soundtrack and same thing, like memorized all the songs. Uh, but yeah, for Hamilton, I was not able to ever see it in person. So I was really happy when it did come out on Disney Plus. And then it like really cemented it. Because I, even though I think all the story is told in the songs, I wasn't necessarily listening to them in order. So I was still pretty confused. Uh, I just picked like my favorite songs, like Wait For It and Satisfied. And I just listened to them when I'm like running. Oh my God. <laughs> wait for wait it. For, wait for it. I remember when I became obsessed with wait for it and i would just even still every once in a while i'll just listen to it on loop um because it's so powerful yes yes i love it and then i think that the room where it happens and i mean all of it is so good the room where it happens might be one of my at least top three favorite songs yeah like i know right off the bat it was my favorite and then i listened to a few other ones kind of edges it out it's up there um burn 
Burn was a late ad for me, but that has become one of my favorites. And I'm also, I'll confess, my favorites tend to be the songs I enjoy <laughs> singing the most. Same. Um, so, Wait For It, um, Winter's Ball, or Satisfied. I know my sister, um, like I know my own mind. I'm looking through Spotify right now. And then all of uh, Jonathan Groff's numbers are just so memorable uh, as the king. And yeah, I think he did such a great job of taking a, a character that's fairly minor in comparison to the overall musical and made them his own and made them such a sassy, individualized. Yeah, we know he really did blow us all away like a hurricane. <laughs> She's gonna be doing this. The whole time. <laughs> that's okay. At, at some point, I'll be able to say one last time, and that's all. <laughs> Something that I find myself doing to kind of change it up when I don't want to, because I'm pretty sure we're all the same. We start at the beginning, and then we just listen until we either need to take a phone call or doing something else but something that i do i've started doing just to change it up is i'll just put it i'll just put my ipod on shuffle and just let just let whatever happens happens if my shot turns into it's quiet uptown i just let it happen i can't my brain doesn't i can't no i do the same thing tori and uh i couldn't say no to this uh the letting it uh, reshuffle nonstop because you never know what comes next. <laughs> <laughs> you need to take a break. That is one of them. I was like, I'll, I'll give it a rest for a second. <laughs> she already said yeah. that one. Um, I agree with Grace that a lot of this is in the album itself. And I think there's only one song that, I, I mean, it's a reprise. It's a reprise of the story of tonight. And it's the only thing that's left off the album intentionally. And apart from that, the best thing about watching it live is seeing all the stuff that you missed, obviously, because there's a lot of body language and facial expressions and nuances and yeah. shade that you miss when you're uh, listening. And I absolutely love it. That's true. I was definitely when after watching when the musical came out on Disney Plus, like I watched it. And then of course I clicked into every ad on Facebook or YouTube that came up with the facts you didn't know about Hamilton mm-hmm. or tying it back to history or here are all of the, the Easter eggs that you didn't notice and clicking into all of those things. And then rewatching Hamilton after reading those articles and seeing just how intentional some of the staging was and the choreography was and who's on stage and who's, dual characters on stage at any given point and where they're at is it's all so intentional and um i think one of the really cool things about having something with this much notoriety is having all of that data and all that information kind of float to the top and come out to the public and being able to see how much work and intention goes behind these small decisions uh has been really cool and and been really transparent for hamilton it's funny because like I said, it's based on a it's based on Ron Chernow's book. I've read the book. Um, there's a kind of Titanic esque novel called um, The Hamilton Affair, which is kind of it's basically about Hamilton and Eliza's relationship 
up until and kind of through uh the reynolds affair mm-hmm. i have a hamilton graphic novel that i actually haven't finished i have the book that's based on uh like they they wrote a book about the musical and all the behind the scenes stuff and it's basically a lyrics book but there's so much like overload about like every this, this thing is it's so huge that it's like oh we're gonna write all the material we can to capitalize on this you know phenomenon and it, it's insane to, to read about number one like reading about what actually happened because musicals based on history it's not verbatim like this is exactly what happened in the order that it yeah. happened there were more Skylar siblings the Warriors Three, uh, I I call them the Warriors Three, uh, Lafayette and Lawrence and Mulligan. They weren't actually all together with Hamilton at the same time. Uh, what else? Just all the all the history about it. It's interesting to read about. Yeah, we kind of talked about some of our favorite songs. What are some of our favorite moments from the musical? Yeah, I mean, I cried during that last song that. Um... Eliza was singing about how like Hamilton she was like you could have done so much more uh but I did the best I could and I was like crying for that but then I'm also like that's because there was a lot of sexism back in the day yeah like Hamilton shouldn't have been able to do that much more than you but I thought it was like a really beautiful sentiment and then when it was talking about all the things that she's done since where she like helped with um starting an orphanage and um she wrote a lot of different social activism letters uh I felt that was like really a nice heartwarming conclusion to the musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, there were a few things the first time I watched on Disney Plus. I watched all the way through, and then the second time I I rewatched some parts, and I was just floored. So, like, satisfied, for example, the scene on stage. There's a part, maybe thirty. 40 seconds into it where Angelica is saying rewind and you see the stage rewind in a way that is kind of met like it it looks so magical and I can't imagine the um, intentionality and and how much rehearsal went into making that effect because it's so seamless and so cool to see these figures who've just seen kind of move into their spaces rewind their movements so it looks literally like you've been rewinding the track back like it's that was really cool for me um similar to when uh in a hurricane you see all of the furniture all of these characters are holding furniture over their head and making it look like it's floating uh-huh. um and suspended in water um or air or wind so there i think the choreography is very unique and and I'm not always the biggest fan of the choreography in Hamilton, but some of the stage effects were so so cool and really never been done before. The turntable, I forget which documentary I I watched that was about kind of learning about how they choreographed, but they learned all the choreography for these um, musical numbers that were that involved the turntable and then basically had to relearn all of the choreography because it was so different to do uh-huh. on a rotating stage much less when there are two concentric circles that are rotating at the same time. I think there's three because there's the outer ring there's Maybe the second there ring and then there's the middle Yeah, I think the, 
the turntable is freaking amazing because watching it watching the movie we're just going to continue to refer to it as the movie um i can't remember what's what song it was but like people are walking like they're they're walking like they're not moving they're not moving but it looks like they are because they're continuously sisters is it is that it because they're just they're they're kind of um they're walking. And they're walking in in place, right? Yes, and then the, there's props yes. around them, so it's kind of like you ever seen like the Flintstones, how whenever or the Flintstones or Scooby Doo, and whenever someone runs, like the background just repeats. It kind of looks like that. Yeah. And then there was a time in uh, nonstop where like Hamilton moves away from, I think Hamilton moves away from Eliza. And then Angelica, the turn the turntable moves into moves Angelica into the frame, and he starts talking mm-hmm. to her. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, the staging was was half of what made this so such a a cool because it really doesn't change. Um, and they managed to have all of these different settings while keeping the stage almost exactly the same. There, you move a staircase every once in a while, uh, but for the most part, it's the same and. I still felt immersed in all of these different settings that were arranged. I think I I did love in Burn how Philip Asu actually lit paper on fire that had actual letters printed on them, which I thought was really cool using a fancy paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then oh my gosh, when um, in De- Dear Theodosia, when you have Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton side by side singing about their kids and. The way the stage lighting looks, it looks like they're in two different rooms, but really they're sitting 10 feet apart from each other and each room is color blocked. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's unique. That's smart. And they had such a great effect being able to create two different spaces while they're still so close to each other. Yeah. I used to throw uh, fireballs with uh, flash paper and that's like the paper that they have because it mm-hmm. burns really quickly and it doesn't leave behind any debris. Erica, I was so excited when Tori said that you were going to be on this episode because like, oh, this is great because clearly like Tori and I have no acting experience and I'm sure you have a different interpretation of all of this. Yeah, no, it's so fun because the musical is really exciting. And then I was watching it and I was thinking about how incredibly difficult the uh, choreography is and operating on the turntable, just like you said. And then also there was a moment where one of the um, ensemble pulls the tablecloth off and Aaron Brewer, I believe, is standing on the table and he mm-hmm. has to, to jump and they have to pull that off. And it's like all of that timing has to be exact because it's so important not to get an injury when you're a part of a cast um, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's their livelihood. Uh, and they're, they're doing all of these things that if the timing was not exactly right, uh, there could be so many, so many injuries. So that's how yeah. I was looking at it. I was like, from a liability perspective, they're doing a lot of like daring stuff, but they were doing it very competently. And, you know, obviously they had spent yeah, a lot of time rehearsing and learning it. Just everyone is on top of their game, and it looks, they just make it look effortless. And it looks like they're having a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, especially the um, the relationships between Hamilton and the, son, the mm-hmm. Sons of Liberty. It, it looks like they're having so much fun, and they yeah. have so much, like, camaraderie amongst each other, especially during the wedding scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, one of my favorite moments is always when... Uh, Hamil or when Burr is talking about Theodosia, and 
he says she's married. She's married to a British officer. And Hamilton says, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's. <laughs> it's so. It's so relatable. It's so relatable. <laughs> I think that's one of the most relatable moments in the entire musical for me. Yeah. I really loved when the B. Diggs' character, um, Thomas Jefferson, also reacted to what was really happening uh, with the mm-hmm. mistress. Because at first they're like, oh, you know, you were stealing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no. And then his reaction to that was so funny. Not only was I not stealing, I was having an affair with this woman. It's like, <laughs> You're like whoa. I, I take that back. They were not expecting it. <laughs> that is... That is the most relatable moment. I take that back. I love that one. And then um, I I laughed really big when Thomas Jefferson was like, you know, you can't change it because believe me, I've tried. You know what I'm talking about toward the end? Yes. Believe me, believe me I've, I've tried. tried. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the very end. Yes. Talking about all of Hamilton's accomplishments. Yeah. Next, we're talking about standouts. Is that is it okay if we transition to that, Tori? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I mean, David Diggs, holy crap. His... I mean, both of his roles. And starting off, I I love, I know it's not uncommon to have, in, in musical theater at least, to have actors play multiple roles. But um, I I really love the use of having actors play multiple roles in this. So we had David Diggs, who played Lafayette, and Thomas Jefferson. We had, oh my gosh, who's the actress that plays Peggy? Oh, Jasmine Cep- Cephas Jones. Yes. Peggy played both the mistress and, no, Jasmine played both the mistress and Peggy. Uh, and then there was one other person. Oh, Anthony Ramos played John Lawrence and Philip. There were yeah. there were multiple uh, people who played multiple roles, but of the the principal cast, it's uh, those three and then... Um, Madison. Yeah, Oak played <gasps> yes! uh, Madison and Mulligan. God, and he was so good too. Especially, I think he's probably the most underrated. I think of the actors that played multiple roles, but him as Madison, I really, I really loved. I feel like his characters yeah. are kind of the most different because Mulligan is this loud, bombastic, Busta Rhymes s character, and Madison is so quiet and reserved. and reserved. Yes. Yeah. It's all hype to all, like, brains, kind of. Yeah, but I also think that plays into, there's this huge juxtaposition in his role as Madison, where he's really just kind of, like, poking at, as being the comic relief to any of those scenes. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of, like, the punctuation at the end of a a comment that really plays well. I loved his uh, rap part where he came in and he was, like, saying that he was the spy uh, for the revolution. Mm-hmm. I forgot what song that's in. Do you guys remember? Battle of Yorktown. Yeah, Gosh. Battle of Yorktown. I'm like, yeah, that was my favorite Hercules uh-huh. Mulligan moment. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, and I, I saw a lot of reviews of people saying this too, once they finally got to see it on stage. I want to see David Diggs and Philippa Sue in more things. I mean, this entire cast deserves all of the, you know, the gigs that they can handle. Mm-hmm. But I, me personally, I want to see them in more stuff. Man, David Diggs, uh, if if you have succumbed to TikTok like I have, I'm not <laughs> proud, but I'm accepting that this is where I'm at in life. Uh, David Diggs is great on TikTok. Um, oh, I did not know that. It's it's one of the great joys that I get from watching TikTok, and 
and that's worth the time. Nice. <laughs> I was worried that uh, they were fighting, like invading our privacy, so that's why I deleted TikTok. But I might bring it back. <laughs> we'll find out. But yeah, he was so funny, and uh, I think I had the most joy in the Thomas Jefferson character, mm-hmm. and then I was like the most moved um, by Burr and Eliza and Hamilton. Burr, man, wait for it is, and I mentioned it before, like a song that I listened to over and over, but. So before we were recording this podcast, I was in Pike Place Market and I was waiting for a friend sitting in the sun. It's relatively, it was relatively hot here today in Seattle. It's all of 82 degrees. It's like 100 degrees here in LA. <laughs> it felt really warm. <laughs> I hear it's hot in LA, like dangerously yeah, hot. Right now in Los Angeles, we're having like a really intense heat wave. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Um, so Seattle heat and I was waiting for a friend on the steps and watching Hamilton's America, which I realized after I was about halfway through it, I was like, I've seen this before. Um, but it got to the part about wait for it and listening to it with my headphones. That's one I need to listen to with good headphones more often because I love that song and I love, it hits me every time and it gives me chills. It's 82 degrees and I'm sweating bullets and... I have chills from this song and it's still after five years. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. We set a record high of 121 degrees on Sunday afternoon in Woodland Hills and that's in the Valley. So I'm like on the West side. It didn't oh get quite gosh. that hot here, but yeah, yesterday we, we set a record for our heat. Does LA have AC? Is that common? Um, I mean, I have the main AC and my window unit in my bedroom. So I'm like super AC. And then I also have a, ice pack because i had to turn off the air conditioner for this uh sound oh recording yeah. that's smart oh bless you so we grew up in texas which i is think all three of us did that's how i knew it's everywhere mm-hmm. yeah all three of us did um and so and so in texas like everyone has ac you wouldn't dream of buying a house that didn't have ac that doesn't really exist yeah. mm-hmm. and so when i moved to chicago i remember i was so shocked that most of the places didn't have ac and most of the time it's fine there's all of maybe two months where it's uncomfortable. And then if you have an AC unit, it's totally bearable. And Seattle's even more mild than Chicago. But I was already a delicate flower when I lived in Texas. And so now being in Seattle, anytime it gets above 80, and my apartment doesn't have AC, so um, anytime it gets above 80, I'm just a wilting flower. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. And heat waves can be a huge problem in areas that are not built for uh, air conditioning. Yeah. Thought yeah. Texas raised you better, Grace. <laughs> In that no. one particular area, yes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. Someone, uh, we were talking about songs that we love singing. Um, song that I love singing is One Last Time, because George Washington and George Washington is, you know, a noble figure to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Christopher Jackson in his performance and his it's right kind of in my range. I can't yeah. belt like he does, but it's it's just it's so powerful to kind of just sing that song like in the car or I don't sing in the shower that much anymore, but it's it's a wonderful song to belt. I like the uh, the Hamilton remix that they did, or the the forty four remix that they did of it with uh, Barack Obama reading the farewell address. Mm-hmm. It just gives it a completely different spin on the whole thing. 
I'm looking at um, Christopher Jackson right now on Wiki, and I've noticed, I mean, you notice people more now that you've seen them on stage. So, like, I... Oh, my gosh. Who's the actor that plays Aaron Burr? It's going to bother me now because I know who that is. Leslie Odom Jr. Yes. I saw him on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Actually, Erica was just talking about Grey's Anatomy because she got to star in Grey's Anatomy. Oh, I did not get to star in. Star. <laughs> Sorry. She was featured. She was when I first moved in LA, <laughs> I was a extra on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> She was an extra. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God, See, this is... That is fair enough. Um, anyway, so still that six degrees of separation, though. Cheater. Was featured. Erica is now my link yeah. from Grey's Anatomy to Hamilton. If I ever need. Yep. Yep. Oh. There you go. Keep saying what you were saying, um, Grace. <laughs> but man, I goofed. Uh, Christopher Jackson was has been in, in quite a few things and Moana, speaking of Disney, he was um Chief Tui? Tui? I think it's Tui. Uh, Moana's father in in Moana. Um, so keep it in the family and also Leslie or not Leslie Odom Jr. Uh Lynn Manuel Miranda helped write the music for that as well. They're like I'm not gonna say they're best friends, but like for lack of a better word, they're, buddies. they're best friends because they were both they they were well Lynn wrote it, but they were both in In the Heights as well. And I think I think he's the only person that Lynn has worked with, like in both musicals, apart from the I forget his name. Oh man. And I didn't put him in the in the notes either. But Thomas Kale directed in the in the Heights. The same person who is the conductor and orchestrator mm-hmm. for Hamilton. Yeah did in the heights as well and he he kind of describes him as them as his cabinet for the musical chris jackson is a he's a big staple in lynn's works is that alex lackamore yes he is the did i say his name correctly sounds right i think so all right i just googled it yeah it's a conductor secret weapon uh orchestra conductor for Mm -hmm. hamilton and um in the heights yeah in the heights I really want to see that movie. Thanks, COVID. God. <laughs> movie was supposed to come out like two months ago. Yeah. Did you guys notice the bullet? That the character- Not until reading about it afterwards. I, I When I went back and watched. But- what bullet? No, I have no idea what's happening. Social media, and I think probably Reddit, discovered that an actress, I forget her name, I apologize... There's a character, there's someone within the ensemble or the company known as the Bullet. And she is Ariana DeBose. Thank you. She is the person that during um, prominently at the end of the duel between Burr and Hamilton, she is the person that is holding the bullet and it is as it is going across towards uh, Hamilton. Okay. And there are multiple occasions where she is a prominent ensemble member in some sort of action like when philip is looking for george eaker she is the person that tells him where to find her and he's flirting with her and the internet's like oh that's philip flirting with death Mm -hmm. and during uh, stay alive there's a shot 
and she is the one who sends the bullet whizzing over Hamilton's head as kind of foreshadowing. Nice. And yeah, she's in for a lot of things. And that's another thing that A, this show is so freaking smart. And it's complex. Yeah, and it's something that you wouldn't get just listening to the album. Yeah. Speaking of the album, there's so many this I say this musical is so smart. And because there's so much attention to which musical genres that Lynn uses. Of course, it's mostly hip hop, but there is uh, there's R&B, there's soul, there's jazz, there's whatever King George is doing. Hmm. I feel like that's just straight up musical theater. Yeah, I think it's closer to like old school English genres of music. Or you could just look at it as look at it as a breakup song, mm-hmm. and then there are just straight up musical numbers. Like I think the, for example, the final the final song, "Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story," is it's kind of a genreless Broadway song, mm-hmm. and like there's so many. Yeah, Go ahead. I I would even say like a lot of the second half is more classical theater. So thinking of things like Hurricane, Burn, It's Quite Uptown, Best of Wives, Best of Women. I think of those all being as more musical theater songs and not not rap, not R&B, not pop or classical. And then there are different genre bending or musical bending things like having a cabinet battle be a, a cabinet meeting be a rap battle. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. That was fun. Say No to This is kind of just a slow jam. Mm -hmm. And I love it. (laughs) But there are so many different styles in this as well. Uh, Because, like, a lot of... I I mentioned Busta Rhymes earlier. There's so many different, like, artists that are um, influences in Mm -hmm. what he's writing. Like, for uh, Helpless... He says that he had in mind, um, like during his verse, it's kind of an Ashanti and Ja Rule song. That's the way. That's why it sounds like that. And oh you, man, when, yeah, okay, yeah. When I you when you see that and you listen to it, it's like, oh, that's exactly what that is. Oh my god, that sounds like it's gonna bother me now that I can't think of the Ashanti song that that is. I can't remember it either. To talk, now that I think about it. But I like it how on um, the Hamilton mixtape, it's basically the remix album for all of this. He had Ja Rule and Ashanti do Helpless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard that. So it kind of brings the whole thing full circle. It's What's Love, right? The song that you guys are thinking of? I think that's yes, what it is. I yes. think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's so fun. The music is definitely the most exciting part of it. Uh, but then I also thought when you were saying uh, how to say no to this, uh, I thought of that comedian, Catherine Ryan. Had, did you guys see her bit on it? Um, she said she got kicked out of Hamilton because she stood up uh, in the musical and said uh, she didn't ask you anything. Like, what are you saying no to? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. That's funny. It's like you are her congress representative and she has found herself in a domestic violence situation she needs your help uh she does not need you to sleep with her (laughs) yeah that was funny but um yeah it also really surprised me uh later on when he just came right out with uh you know 
to the world I was having this affair because I was thinking, you know, there's really yeah. no reason to do that. And then uh, I know that Eliza's character no. goes over that too. It was like, you could have just kept this to yourself. Uh, that would have done a lot less damage to your career than just telling on yourself. Yeah, that's the problem with Hamilton. Uh, when this came out, there were a bunch of people that were like, Alexander Hamilton is not a great dude. He owns slaves, etc. So, so on and so forth. And everyone was like, yeah, we know. If you watch the musical, he's not a good dude. <laughs> like, he's arrogant. He's an asshole. He cheats on his wife. He snitches on himself about cheating on his wife. <laughs> Um, he cock blocks Aaron Burr at multiple opportunities, whether politically cock blocking. Yeah, he sabotages like, Aaron Burr several times. Yeah, and he, like, no, you're right. He's not a good dude, and it's not like they're glorifying it. Like he he gets his comeuppance, basically. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I, I got really angry about that. It's like, how dare you? Just let people enjoy things, okay? <laughs> Well, and I think that's that I I can see it both ways, right? Like that's a important distinct distinction, and it's same with I, I mean Washington. We think of Washington as a great politician, and and certainly history before Hamilton came out was more um, well known than than most politicians of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, but Washington still owns slaves. I think, um, I think all of them did. Yeah, um, and that's a hard. It's an uh, interesting thing to reconcile is that we know that a lot of our history, a lot of important pieces of our history were built by slave owners, and that's still very much part of our, our past. Um, so how do we reconcile that as awful as slavery is and was, that there being a slave owner is not the only part of that, that person, um, and that in some respects that we're also phenomenal politicians. That someone can be have a positive contribution to society and still be an awful person. Yeah, it's like kind of it's kind of the antithesis to cancel culture because, mm-hmm. like, in this day and age, and I think it's basically because we're all stuck inside. And, well, not all of us. A lot of people are stuck inside and have nothing else better to do. So it's like I'm trying to choose someone who's not that bad, but. There are some people who created, you know, great works of art or, you know, created a country, but did some really questionable shit like own slaves or, you know, other things. I'm not condoning it, but we should have we should be able to separate the media from the monster, I guess, if we're going to. Well, and so, like, I think um, Steve Jobs is an interesting example. Steve Jobs was a fucking dick. He was not a nice guy, but you can't discount his genius. And he has absolutely revolutionized media in this country, in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, He's changed communication and media consumption. And he was a a douchebag. He was an asshole Mm -hmm. to the people that worked for him. That was a tangent. We got on a tangent there. I love tangents. Moving on from that uh, very hot topic, some of the themes in this show, at least some of the ones that I loved, was the idea of legacy 
and just the straight up hustle that Hamilton had. I remember the first time I listened to it, it's like, shit, I want to go found a country now. Like, let me go make, <laughs> let me go make some new forms of government right now. Like, yo, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, and and how prolific he was, how how much writing he did, the sheer amount of the sheer volume that he wrote, and how he came from like nothing. Basically, he was yeah. um, in uh, Puerto Rico, and both of his parents died, and then he mm. um, wrote himself to get funded to come to America, uh, and then built everything as a teenager with basically no money, wealth, um, wasn't a citizen. I mean, it's just pretty incredible, I think. Yeah. Like he had to, he had to fight for, he fought for everything, literally and figuratively. And yeah, I'm just sitting here like, yo, let me get these podcasts. Let me get these episodes out, man. Got to do what, do what I can to build a legacy. Yeah. um, I was watching a video about how, a lot of the characters seem to be kind of self-aware of how they're in a story from the past um, in the sense that like Burr talks about the legacy and so does Hamilton and so does Eliza. And I, I thought that was kind of an interesting sort of meta uh, in the story. It seems like some of them are very aware of what will happen two or 300 years. And I mean, there's straight up a song called history has its eyes on you. Yeah. Like, I think I think that was the start of the whole thing being meta because Washington's like, you know, 250 years from now, they're going to what's going to happen? What are people going to be talking about once this is over with? Yeah. So I think I think Washington sets it up perfectly. It's very poignant to for for us now, like we're doing all this stuff and who knows who's going to talk about it? Who knows who's going to remember all of it? And it, it comes back with Eliza at the end because she asks, will people remember all the stuff that I did? Yeah, so it's very meta because it's like, yes, we're remembering it because you're oh, yeah, telling us right now. You. Although, honestly, I didn't know anything about Eliza Hamilton until watching the musical Hamilton. Same. I didn't know anything about Alexander Hamilton until... Yeah, very very little for sure. I knew some. Like, obviously, I knew he had founded the Treasury. I knew that he had written a lot of the letters arguing Federal for statements. the Constitution. Mm. But yeah, there was a lot I didn't know. I knew that Aaron Burr had shot him in a duel. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> so what were we talking about duels? Um, I just always thought, like, back when I originally learned about them as a kid, that duels were a terrible way of solving anything because mm. uh, often people die. And I don't know how, how frequently they die, but I was just like, man, if somebody, like, disrespected me... I would sure not agree to a shooting match. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I thought it was interesting, too, um, that he, he was giving his son that advice of, like, you know, shoot up in the air. And I was thinking, that's terrible advice, because what if the other person shoots you? And then, of course, that's what happened. Right? Like, shoot him in the leg or something. Jeez. Well, yeah. they had so many trouble, like, they had so many problems with the guns back then, too. Like, sometimes um, you would fire and it wouldn't shoot or it would misfire. So I would just be like, do not be a part of a duel, period. Uh, but I guess yeah. if you absolutely have to, um, I would probably, would I shoot to kill? No, I, I feel like I wouldn't I wouldn't agree to be in a duel. Because there's no safe way of, you know, getting out. Yeah, I mean, like, even being shot in the leg then, deadly. or in the arm, is so different than it is now. And, and keeping someone, like, even if you manage to extract the bullet, like, there's so much chance of infection yeah or even, you get shot in the leg you're gonna end up losing that leg probably or even just bleeding out like you would still probably die yeah yeah 
because it, it's like it's not like you can you know call an ambulance and be fine. No, they got to row you back across the wherever they they got. You have to find a doctor. Well, they would usually have Hopefully a doctor have, there. Because, they would usually pay someone to be the oh, doctor. Yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah, and the doctor. Sorry, I, would, forgot, um, I forgot one of the commandments. The doctor on site. Doctor on site would face away so that they could have plausible deniability that they didn't witness the harm happening. Because mm-hmm. they have that oath uh, they had to take about being, you know, do no harm. Yeah. And I think duels were illegal too, so the doctor would have plausible deniability of, oh, I didn't know what was happening. I was facing away. <laughs> That's what I say um, whenever someone says, "I'm doing this questionable thing," and I'm like, "Don't tell me. I didn't see it. If I don't see it, I can't testify. <laughs> if I don't know about it, everything is. Just say everything is legal in New Jersey. I was like, a lot of things must be happening in y'all's life. <laughs> Uh, I I can't talk about it because you, you didn't see anything. So you don't know anything. Know anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Perfect. So yeah, I thought the duel was real dumb, and I also feel like uh, I would have predicted somebody shooting. You know me, like Aaron Burr. I mean, I guess it's hard to, to say because we already know that Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton. But I'm like, if you know that both people are going to a battle that might kill you, you're somebody is probably going to try to kill the other one first. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be interesting to know how like, many is... duels did end in someone dying or in no one dying. Yeah. Or if there were any where both people died. I wonder if there's like a, there's probably some sort of registry for that somewhere on the internet. I don't know. Records. Let's like we're all looking now. <laughs> right. But in uh, watching uh, Hamilton's America, I, I saw that it was... It's more of a thing of pride and honor Mm -hmm. than actually shooting to kill. Okay. But there are much easier ways to do that, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm sure there are also a lot of less deadly ways to do that. Yeah. Like, what about blades? Like, just get swords. Because you can be garbage at swords. So here's a completely unfounded, unfact-checked statement that someone posted Andrew Jackson fought in 103 duels and died of tuberculosis at the age of 78 so who knows how real that is but what an amazing statistic that could be (laughs) clearly Andrew Jackson didn't have an Aaron Burr in his life so clearly Hamilton uh, this musical is the cultural phenomenon of you know, at least is the biggest cultural phenomenon probably of the last five years. Is it safe to say that it will end up being one of the most transcendent pieces of art a hundred years from now? Maybe not a hundred years because I, I can't think of any, any uh, piece of medium that's not probably classical music that people are still talking about and studying. So for context, I think of... We're talking about um, longevity and the impact of Hamilton. So Hamilton came out in 13, 14? Let's say 14, 15. I think, I think off-Broadway in 13? Yes. Or no, I think it was off-Broadway in 14, uh, Broadway in 15. Yeah, the internet is telling me Hamilton came out in 2015. Okay. Les Rob premiered in 1980 and is still culturally relevant regarded as one of the finest musicals hmm. ever so yeah i think it's entirely possible that that hamilton has a huge impact on broadway culture and i mean it'll be interesting to see how broadway recovers from covid because i think 
we're only just now starting to really consider what are the long-term effects of something like this, because I think it will have a marked impact. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I have no idea. It's pretty scary what's going to happen with COVID, because if we don't get a vaccine, then it's really probably not going to be safe to do in-person seating and theater. At least in uh, closed spaces. I've seen a lot of concerts where people are outdoors, but spaced. And I'm kind of down for, like, if that's going to be the future of uh, live venues and, um, you know, entertainment, I say yay for the 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 resurgence of drive-ins. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of about it. Even though I've already been to the movies. I went to the movies, what, two weeks ago? Huh. I, you know, so I was in Texas for a month in June and got to go to the movies once and I love movies and it, it going to the movies became part of my weekly ritual in my first year of grad school. I'd have class on Tuesdays and then after class on Tuesdays I'd go to the movies. And so I love going and I'm I'm really missing that now. And and in Seattle at least you can't go to the movies. Um although they are starting to I just found out that they're renting out theaters so you can rent out a theater to see an old movie uh there's a menu of like a dozen different movies that you can rent Mm -hmm. so you rent out the theater for you and up to 20 friends for a hundred dollars and i'm thinking like man like that sounds like a great birthday take like 10 or 15 of my friends probably 10 i feel like that's probably the most i'd feel comfortable in a, a general space yeah um but for 100 bucks like yeah that sounds great if i can go see Skyfall or something, Jurassic Park for a hundred bucks with some friends for my birthday. So I love the idea that that might come out of this, but um, but I miss going to the movies, and I and I miss like even the symphony, thinking that I will be able to go to the symphony for a while in in a regular theater. Yeah, me, I'm a musician and performer. Like I would, I really want to go back to rehearsing. It would be great, mm-hmm. but. It's really hard to be in a room with, you know, 30, 40 people, 30, 40, 50 people, you know, breathing collect the same collective air and basically spitting into an instrument. It's <laughs> it's I mean, it's a it's a weird thing to think about right now, especially with everything going on. Yeah, I had a Zoom birthday party. I've been just taking zero risks as much as possible. So I was like, I miss yeah. the movies, too. But yeah, if they opened up here, I would still wait because I feel like um you know, just to the best of my ability, I'm trying to help and slow the spread of the pandemic. And it's so yeah. important to where you are, like in Los Angeles, you know, we're all, we've been very committed now for about six months of just staying inside and really not going anywhere or doing anything <laughs> with anyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's also for you, especially it's it's so important for your work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I'm working, yeah, we get tested um, every other day of the production, and we wear masks when we're not actively on screen, uh, and we're following all the production rules. They came out with a bunch of different rules that everyone has to follow. Um, but it's interesting too because I do know someone who was booked in a commercial, um, and he was going to get maybe like ten thousand dollars for the day of shooting. And he tested positive for COVID and they did not even take him. They just took the second person instead, the runner up. And uh, we don't know if he had COVID or not, because a lot of the testing, you can get false positives. Um, But I'm just like, it's just crazy right now. So if you do catch COVID, 
then you would obviously not be able to work in any acting set until you had had two um, tests that said negatives. That's rough. So I, I, I wonder what Broadway and live other live performers are having to go through because I know like Hamilton I think there's there was I can't remember which venue but they won't be returning until 2021 Disney pulled uh Frozen off touring like they're done they're not even when they reopen they won't be Frozen won't be returning to stages well it's a huge liability and it's like they couldn't even keep Robert Pattinson from getting COVID on the back uh, on the Batman set, uh, Warner Brothers. Yeah. So Bruce Wayne just got COVID. Yeah, I was like, um, I'm sure Warner Brothers is taking it very seriously and doing like a lot of, you know, doing their best efforts. So it's just we haven't really figured out how to make sure people are not getting COVID. This is depressing. What else can yeah. we talk about, guys? I think, yeah. I think, I think beyond uh, COVID, I think let's say that um, Hamilton does is able to reopen again. I think. It will still be, let's say people are comfortable enough going back to theaters. I still think Hamilton will be one of those popular things like Les Mis or Rent or The Lion King or Phantom of the Opera. I think it is, is it has risen to that echelon. Mm-hmm. And culturally, like they got to go to the White House and perform for theater majors and history majors and, you know, kids in, you know, New York, they were selling out in busloads, taking kids to see this, you know, wonderful thing. And mm-hmm. on the American political side, there's, you know, there are indictments of how politics should be. Like, it starts with the American Revolution, and it talks about how, like, Washington says he doesn't want parties to form, and look what has happened in America. Like, it brings up a lot of issues that are you know, still relevant in the country. Got to vote, everyone. And this I is think... the most important election we've had in America since the election of 1800. And she did it. Yes. <laughs> Proud of you. Thank you. But ditto, go vote. Please go vote. But like stuff that I'm thinking of that are, you know, as transcendent as Hamilton, like there's this, there's the MCU as a whole, Childish Gambino's This Is America, um... I guess Beyonce. I'm trying to go this whole podcast without Beyonce slander, so I'll give her a compliment. Nice try. Yeah, I, I tried. <laughs> I, I try. Yeah, there are a few things that have come out within the past ten years that I can think of that are that will be as transcendent as this. I think there was a statistic that Disney Plus saw what seventy two percent increase in subscriptions during July Fourth weekend when Hamilton came out. Like that's a big deal. Oh man. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I think it, I think it will. And, and even thinking about like the things you listed, like, I don't know that any of them will be as long lasting as Hamilton will be. I think, well, part of that too is because musical theater tends, the things that we know that have really blown up and really stood the test of time have lasted for decades. And I think of like Childish Gambino's This Is America, like I haven't heard a reference to it in the last six months. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I remember like how big a deal that was when it came out. Um, and it's just one of those things that even, it was so smartly put together, just like Hamilton is. Yeah. Yeah. And and even like Lemonade, uh, Beyonce's Lemonade, like on so many different levels, being able to 
drop an, a visual album. One, it's a visual album, which hasn't really been done before. Two, dropping it out of the blue without any marketing. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And then the impact and the commentary uh, that it was it has been lauded for years. That came out five years ago now. Is that right? Four or five years ago now? Um, well, Hamilton is definitely the story of tonight. But I personally don't know if it'll be around in 100 years. Uh, also, 74% is exactly the statistic. Hamilton drives up Disney Plus app downloads by 74% over the weekends that it opened, or that it was added to Disney it's a, Plus. Yeah. It's a big moneymaker. What makes Disney more money, Hamilton or Mulan? Hamilton, easily. I think a lot of people were like, I'm not paying Did you guys 30 pay $30 for Mulan? to watch Mulan? Yes! Okay. Do you know what podcast you're on? I still owe him money. <laughs> I was like, I did. I have like no desire to pay. I feel like that, that was like so much money to me for for a movie, you know? Oh uh, well, I, yeah. I had that money set aside. But do you know what podcast you're on? Of course, I yeah, paid thirty right. bucks to watch. <laughs> I'm obviously. Uh, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I'll watch it for like fifteen bucks, and then it said thirty, and I was like, no, that's double what I would pay for that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Wait a month and then we'll be Can you only watch it once right. or once you buy it, can you watch it multiple times? Once you buy it, as long as you're a Disney Plus subscriber, you can watch it ad nauseum. Okay, cool. Well, I'll just have to... Uh, In perpetuity. Uh, yes. Not pay $30 to buy it. <laughs> I'll just listen to what you guys say about yeah. it on the podcast. Um, yeah, Dear Theodosia was so beautiful. And I feel like that's the one that I don't have any chance of working in organically. <laughs> see if we can give you yeah. a shot, though. God damn uh, it! I didn't do that on purpose. I swear. Uh it's infectious. Do we have anything else to say about Hamilton? Well, I feel like letter writing was a big theme and uh, motif in Hamilton as well. Like when Aaron Burr wrote uh, "Dear Theodosia" and when Eliza wrote the letter uh, to Hamilton. This is literally me just trying to work in "Dear Theodosia," and it's it's just I'm literally just saying it. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> You're right, though. There is a lot of letter writing because there's Hamilton's courtship of Eliza was through letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and his courtship uh, of Angelica. Oh, my goodness. Oof. And Angelica, their entire relationship through writing. Man, uh, those are Burr, some... Federalist Papers. Yeah. The the type of, like, intellectual prowess that you need to be, like, like to have, like, grammar be, your, be a turn-on for you. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> What what was going on back in the early the early eighteen hundreds? Not like, very much. Yeah, I mean Angelica was yo. the best of wives and the best of women. Or do you really feel like Eliza was a better? <laughs> wife? Eliza was the best of wives, best of women. As far as the song goes, but I feel like Angelica was also a great choice. <laughs> yeah. The way she took Hamilton's ass back after she he got their son killed. My favorite bit of trivia is that. After Philip was killed, they then had another son that they named after Philip. Yeah. And uh, one of the Skyler, or sorry, one of the Hamilton children was so distraught after Philip was killed that she went insane and spent most of the rest of her life in a mental institution. Wow. True facts. Jeez. I mean, I guess as a wife, Eliza would be your obedient servant more so than Angelica. (laughs) So... Fail. Fail. <laughs> I thought that one was okay. What, what are you talking next? about? <laughs> I feel like we should have had someone keeping track of like if she gets all 46 songs. <laughs> um, yeah, but like writing was so important with the 
Reynolds pamphlet with the um, Federalist Papers with all of the different letters that were sent back and forth in the Adams administration, especially. And I know that, no, I don't have any other ones. No, there, I think I did all the ones that are easy already. I feel like all the other two <laughs> come across is not on I was like, farmer mm-hmm. refuted. Let's have me. <laughs> yeah, no chance. I think I'm I think I'm Hamilton out. Yeah, me too, but it was good talking to you guys. Yeah, we've still got Drunken Disney. Grace, what's what what we got for Drunken Disney? Well, Tori I mean, he put in our rules already for this week, but I think these are pretty straightforward and exactly what I was thinking as well. So Those are the rules that you uh, did a couple episodes ago. Oh, are they? Yeah. When did we talk about Hamilton before? Uh I think with Amber we talked about like, because it had just come out, and I was like, how many times have you guys watched Hamilton? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, then these are exactly the rules that I have already made up and would make up again. <laughs> so, rule number one, drink at the beginning of every song. So, there you've got 46 drinks right there. Don't die. This is really a, a very aggressive set of rules. Uh, drink every time someone says shot. Please don't take a shot every time someone says shot. Changes. You would actively changing the rules. <laughs> and drink every time uh someone says Hamilton. Yeah, what are they drinking? It's gotta be really, really watered down. Yeah. White claw. Weak. <laughs> what? That's what got us into this COVID mess. White claw? Yes. There weren't there weren't any the world was not out of balance until white claw existed. <laughs> Wait, what? The world was white enough, Tori. <laughs> Boo! I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Testifying, that's what I'm doing. I have, I have nothing good or bad to say about White Claw. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment to anybody who enjoys White Claw, but you are throwing the world out of balance and only the Avatar can save us. Oh, I love Avatar and the Last Airbender. I've been re-watching them. It's wonderful. It's a fantastic show. Avatar, something that will stand the test of time. Along with Hamilton. Clearly not, because I don't know almost anything about Avatar. That's the problem. If you started watching it, I feel like you would know. Avatar The Last Airbender is epic. I, right now, I've been watching Gossip Girl, which I'm not proud of, but man, I am deeply, deeply in love with Chuck Bass. That's fine. Stop watching Gossip Girl and start watching Avatar. 60 episodes, you can watch it in a weekend. It's very easy. I agree. (laughs) I also feel like I seem to recall Chuck Bass being a problematic character on that show, uh, on Gossip Girl. If this doesn't tell you anything about the men I date. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely watch Avatar because uh, I watched episode one and I was instantly hooked. And then I watched the whole thing and it just builds and it just gets better and better. It's really, it's really wonderful. So that is our conversation on Hamilton. One of the best things ever. (laughs) Erica, thank you so much for coming back to the show. Thank you for having me again. It was so much fun. You'll be back. I'll be back. (laughs) You'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) For Uh, another reprise. Dang it. The one that I was going to open the show with was Welcome to Disney Versus, where we'll we'll send a fully armed battalion to remind you of our love. That's so good. (laughs) Just report it now and then add it into the beginning. I feel like I'm you gonna. Can. I'm glad I didn't say it because I feel like I would was gonna flub it, because it's a lot to say. That's why I was like, why didn't I remember it? Erica, you got some stuff to plug. 
Uh, I think I already did it. I was like, yeah, people can follow me on Instagram. I've been doing a lot of juggling videos and also like how to juggle videos. So I feel like that's fun. Um, I'm in Double Cross right now. We're filming season two. And I was on another game show. Uh, I was on Match Game, but I didn't win anything. But I did get to meet uh, Alec Baldwin, so that was fun. You're so famous. Yay, I'm working on it. I was like, I'm just, I'm just famous amongst my friends you're, right now. You're our two degree person. <laughs> two degree, two degree. I feel like I have met a lot of famous people. Yeah. Uh, just like living in Los Angeles, they're everywhere. I want to go to LA, but I feel like I'd be disappointed if it's like every step I take, I if I didn't see a famous person, I'd be very upset. I feel like uh, if you're just living your life, mm-hmm. you probably don't notice them as much because like they're just everywhere. Um, you kind of have to be like looking to see someone. And then there are certain places you can go to, obviously when COVID is gone, but have more famous people. Like there are certain restaurants that more famous people hang out in. Um, so yeah, if you come visit me, we can go do cool stuff and see famous people. Um, we can go hiking. Yeah, there's so many cool hiking places here. But yeah, I'm just like waiting for COVID to go away so I can like do all the fun yeah. things. Be a social human. Yeah, I'm usually such a social human. It's been so strange to be all like just in my apartment by myself. You feel helpless, don't you? I uh, am never satisfied. What comes next? Uh, what comes next is you can follow us on <laughs> social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disneyverses. You can follow us on Twitter at DisneyVS. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, please give us a five-star review. Uh, if you give us a five-star review and leave us a comment, we will read it on air. We have no new comments. Um, How can you say no to this? Right. Uh, you can also follow us on uh, Google Podcasts. I uh, just hooked it up last night. So we Google Play Music is no more. We are now on Google Podcasts. Do we know what the grading system? I don't know what the grading system is, but perfect. In, until we find out what it is, you can give us twenty-eight Federalist Papers. Nope, you can give us twenty-eight guns and ships. Boom! I'm in it. Too. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm gonna say thank you one last time. Uh, as always thank you for listening and uh we will see you guys next episode bye everyone bye it's only a matter of Oh